Hey, Table Church, it's Pastor Anthony here, and I'm here with Pastor Tanetta. Hey. And we just kicked off a series called Holy Habits, which is all about some of the values and habits that, you know, both the Table Church has been doing and also that we want to continue to grow in and forgive the sort of Christian cliche, but live into, like actually embody with our lives. And this past Sunday, uh, Pastor Tanetta kicked that uh, series off by talking about our first value of radical friendship. And as you know, if, you, if you've ever met a preacher, uh, sometimes we prepare more Really? Then we actually get to say on the platform, believe it or not, even if we preach for 30 minutes, we still have more to say. So uh, we wanted to record a, a podcast to give Tanetta a chance to talk more about what radical friendship means uh, for the life of our church, for her personally, and uh, all of that. So uh, do you want to sort of give a recap of what you did say for for those unlucky few who did not get to hear the sermon on Sunday? Yeah, I, I would say this. I, I chose to focus on and felt felt moved to focus more uh, in this sermon for this value on friendship with others. Uh, and I found myself really captured by this um, in ways that I didn't expect. I would say for myself uh, as a pastor, you know, I sometimes struggle in my own personal friendships because you know, being a pastor, you're serving other people. And as an introvert, then I just want to go home and like <laughs> curl up into a ball and like, you know, say, no, I, I will not. No one else shall talk to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I think I, it also is just a really personal um, sermon for me. You know, there, there are always sermons that you're kind of preaching to yourself as well. So I, I felt that with this. And I was surprised that I felt drawn to the story of Naomi and Ruth. Um and found, find it fascinating that some of the friendships in the Bible that perhaps are the most um, robust in terms of thinking about radical deep friendship are often, there's a, often a lot of speculation about whether they're same-sex relationships, which we can talk about that. But I find it fascinating that there's very little space to talk about them as deep friendships. Um, yeah, can I jump in there real yeah. quick? There's like, there's always a... Uh, um speculation and like fan communities about like Frodo and Sam right. or Sherlock and um, John Watson. And like, I like, sure. If you want to queer those texts or queer, like that's absolutely fine. Uh, and like redeeming and reclaiming and all of that. And I think it's also just a testament to like kind of how shallow so many of our friendships yeah. are in yep. modern society that as soon as we see like same gendered friendships we're like oh that must be must be queer must be gay yep. i'm like and sure if you want to claim that go for it and also like two two people of the same gender can be friends yep. and yeah so it, it's it's an interesting testament to how but there's probably something in there about like queer phobic uh society can be mm -hmm. and how much friendship is this rare, rare thing in our society. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bukola and I sometimes, uh, particularly like in the last six months, you know, when Timmy Tai, our son gets together with his friends, he'll hold their hands regardless of their gender. And uh, you know, sometimes we stand back and just lament that there's going to be a point where he realizes some people he's not supposed to be holding hands with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, usually probably boys. Um, and that that is that feels like a really, really sad loss. Um, I mean, that's, you know, even cross gender relationships, because so so many things get sexualized as soon as a boy and a girl start, you know, being friends like, ooh, or is that your I'm like, 
No, it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to sexualize everything. Yeah, that's so so true. So yeah, in exploring this text, I you know I, I commend reading the entire book of Ruth. I, I you know hadn't studied it in a good while, and I was really captured by in particular Naomi's story. Uh, of being this person who experiences these ironies in the world, this hardship and loss, and then, um, you know, has some frustration and anger with God, it seems. Um, there's some some scholarship that ties some of her language to even Job and the complaints. And so um, I, I don't know. I just really was fascinated by how that experience of pain and frustration with God and struggle and friendship, struggle in relationship with God translates into our own community of, of folks who've had a lot of pain in their relationship with God and relationship with others and have experienced lots of injustice. Um, and then you have this character, Ruth, who radically turns toward this person and joins her journey, like literally like joins her journey and in ways that means she has to take on a new identity. Um, and was just really struck by what that can mean for a community like ours of people who are full and people who are, you know, in places of greater struggle and how turning toward one another can be a really radical process and a beautiful living out of friendship. I, I wrote down, I want to pursue further some other time, the whole uh, uh, Naomi and Job thing, because that's what in my mind right now of all the, yeah, Naomi and Ruth, like are sort of like the counter Job story. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Mm. Oh, I like that. Ooh, mm. with the friends. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you see how preachers can never just stop. It's just <laughs> always going on. Um, yeah, and then on Sunday, I realized after 30 minutes, plenty of things I still wanted to say. So, yeah, a couple of those things that I was really struck by. Um, you know, I was really struck by the way that Ruth shifts her whole rhythm in pursuit of Naomi and just really was, you know, thought about um, the ways in which like we all have to do that in friendship. Like we've got to, to have deep radical friendships, particularly in Christian community. Like we've got to shift our whole way of being and our, our pace. Uh, I was reading something. I think this is um, Kate Johnson who talks about pace as political mm. and the ways in which we, which as and I think this is true as followers of Jesus, that like we've always got to think about pace in terms of radical friendship with God. But that's true of others as well. There's another writer who talks about John Donahue who talks about each person having soul atmosphere. So this idea that each person has a rhythm and a pace and to pursue radical friendships, you kind of have to stretch yourself to align with that rhythm and that pace. And you see that really deeply in the story of Ruth turning to Naomi um, and that, you know, there's a little bit of like incursion, like she's transformed. There's a little bit of incursion onto her identity of like to be a good friend. I have to deeply consider who this other person is and what their journey is. Yeah, it's the, it's the opposite of like friendships of convenience. Right. And you know, we, for those who were able to go to like a residential college or undergrad or whatever, you have these friendships because you're in a dorm, you're 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 in a walkable city basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh and then college college ends and you you move to wherever your places are and then like those friendships often, not always, but often dissipate because the convenience isn't there anymore. And the radical part of radical friendship, at least one of it, is like that making space and making time mm -hmm. for others, which is there is a, as Jesus would say, a, a cost to be counted there. Um, you know, the Hebrew 
Hebrew rabbis would talk about the zimzum, this idea of making space for uh, friends or the beloved. And it has to be reciprocal or else it doesn't work. You're just, you know, it's, if it if it's just one-sided, it's erasure. Uh, but when it's together, it's a zimzum. It's the making space for others and they make space for you and you make space for them. And together, you're better off because of it. Yeah, and I, I love um, some of the language around zimzum, which is, you know, language of contraction. And I think we are in a culture that constantly teaches us to expand. Become bigger, do more versus pull back and make space for other, uh, whether it's other people or other things, things unlike us. And I, 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 I see that too. Um, and, and like, it's a necessary correction because so many folks were told to shrink themselves mm-hmm. and to not take up space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you, when you only ever do that, friendship's not possible. Yeah. Friendship becomes impossible if you only just take up space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, I also was really struck in the story by the idea, and this is throughout the entire book of Ruth, of um, the way that loyalty, Hesed, plays into the story, covenant loyalty. Um, and just thinking about, like, what does loyalty mean? You know, this loyalty that comes from God, like, how does that translate practically into friendships? And thinking about things like, what does it mean to tell secrets? And and I don't mean, like, you know, some, like, shady thing or something. I mean... To reveal yourself to others, you know, like in our community, what does it mean to like really say, this is what I believe. This is what I'm thinking about. What does it mean to tell secrets and then to be able to be receptive um, to like people's full selves as well as an act of deep loyalty? Yeah. How, how do you see that in Ruth specifically? Um, well, so so I talked about chapter one, mostly on um, Sunday. But as the story goes on, the loyalty is in Ruth one, who who Naomi's kind of like, why are you on this journey with me? I don't know. She's just silent. (laughs) And then in chapter two, um, Ruth is like, I'm going to go glean. Like you, you, I don't even know if you're on board, but I am going to go gather this extra grain because we we're destitute. Um, And so there's this deep loyalty of this like woman working hard to continue to be loyal to her mother-in-law. Uh, and then there's this reciprocal loyalty in chapter three when Naomi concocts this plan as well to, and says like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. There's this kinsman redeemer. You go and, you know, it, that all ends in marriage to Boaz. We can talk about the threshing floor. There's a whole podcast episode <laughs> on the threshing floor. What is the meaning of feet? <laughs> yes. Um, go look up Hebrew idiom feet on Google and yes, see what you find. Yes, which is fascinating because reading the the anyway, with that's that is a whole thing. That is a whole thing. Um, but yeah, so there's this all this like reciprocal loyalty of um, again turning to each other and revealing, um, you know, through 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 I, through conversation and action, loyalty. Yeah, yeah, and the only way that works is through the vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, there's not, I mean, there's not a lot of ways for Naomi to hide her desperation. You know, every every male in this patriarchal society that is supposed to care for her has passed away. So she can't really hide that. She could have lied. Um, she could have deceived in some way to make sure that her daughters, her daughters-in-law uh, don't even have the opportunity to help her, but she doesn't. She, And then, you know, same thing with Ruth. Like Ruth could have, made any number of choices um, to 
be angry at Yahweh, be angry at her gods, whatever. Blame Naomi for you gave me these, uh, this husband that just, you know, died on, on like, like all these ways that they could have hid their pain from each other. Yeah. And instead they face their pain together. And it's through that facing of pain together, through that vulnerability that there's, they're able to survive. And then by the end of the story actually thrive. And the fact, like Naomi, Naomi's so honest, right? She changes her name. Like nobody, nobody remembers. She's she's Mara. She's bitterness. Like, um, and she's so honest. She's so like yeah. upfront about the yeah. women come to her. She's like, "Don't call me that. Don't call me pleasant." <laughs> with the meaning of Naomi, call me bitter. Uh, and so yeah, the the way through this pain is not sort of like a shellacking on of of pleasantries and spiritual bypassing and all that it's naming the bitterness right yeah uh yeah and which i it's i think a huge spiritual lesson and and you know throughout the scripture and particularly the the hebrew scriptures um yeah the other thing i i notice a lot um that i i don't know had not thought at all about in the context was a friendship was that ruth is you know she's a moabite she is, you know, her identity in relation to Israel is, let's just say, at best, suspect. <laughs> like, there are plenty <laughs> of scriptures that place the Moabites in this, like, uh, it's particularly Moabite women in this um, unfavorable light, we will say. And I, I think it is fascinating um, that that this friendship forms in the midst of this deep otherness and every friendship forms in some level of otherness, right? Every single one. And yet their friendship, there's this deep otherness that they're in many ways, maybe overcome is not the right word, but they're able to engage in a way that leads to their, both their mutual abundance and transformation by the end of the entire book. Uh, And I I was thinking some about like the idea and reading some about the idea of like allyship, Um, which I know is being problematized more and more and um, read something about how, you know, what does it mean to think of our, as we think about engaging the others in deep relationships and being for other people in solidarity, thinking of being an ally, not as an identity, but a path of practice. Because friendship is a path of practice. Um, So I think about that in our own community. What does it mean to make sure that we're not just like theoretically for people who are different from us, but we're like developing deep friendships that um, are just about the other person and who they are. Uh, I'll never forget. I was at this um, this uh, gathering conference of progressive Christian people. And I remember and I was one of the leaders. I was on the board and I remember there was a night of like freedom. So, it was, you know, majority white space, people of color. There was a night where it's like, you can do whatever you want. And all of a sudden I realized all of these ideals we've worked for, what is going to happen is that all the white folks are going to go out. The Theo, you know, progressive Theobrosians, there are those two. They're all going to go out together. And then you're going to have like, you know, a few people of color in pockets going out and there's less of them. So, that, you know, and I realized I was like, I told the rest of the party, I was like, we have to have one gathering. We've got to go to somebody's house. We've got to have because people are just going to choose the people like them, regardless of what they say, I have said, because there's not there's not a framework of friendship or there's not a rootedness in friendship in the space. And so I just, I've thought a lot about that. What does it mean to think about allyship more as a path of practice rather than like something I am? 
Yeah, so I'll just, I'll wrap up for, you know, my own thinking about this by just saying too that one of the under, I think, explored, at least in my own part of Christianity growing up, and even even now, um, I think there's an underexplored tradition of soul friendship, spiritual friendship, um, that many people throughout the centuries have have written about, of what does it mean to co-discern what the spirit is doing in the context of radical friendship, to create enough hospitality and presence and genuine dialogue with another human, another person to get to a place where you can talk about like, what is the spirit doing? Here's what I see. We trust each other enough to talk about what we see and to co-discern the work of the spirit. Um, So ultimately in terms of this value in our community, I hope that that is where we can go. And, and David Benner, who's done a good a bit of writing, his Sacred Companions is excellent, or yeah, it's an excellent book. Um, he talks about like the core of being able to make space for other people and enter into that co-discernment. He talks about it being you have to create a space within yourself of hospitality, like a space of stillness. And I don't mean literal stillness, you can do it while you're running, but like creating this space where you're able to be receptive to the other as spiritual practice as well. Uh, So I think that's really important. Yeah, which goes back to the willingness to be vulnerable, transparent. Um, Because, yeah, that soul stuff is some of the deepest, deepest things within us. And it is a mistake to assume that the, (laughs) the more holy you are, the somehow more you don't need others. Or the deeper your relationship with God is, the more that can't be shared with others. Because that's just that's just spiritual pride at that point. Uh, a deep spiritual life, I think some of the fruit of that ought to be shown by deep spiritual friendship. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm thinking of some certain people in my life, years past, years past, who... You don't want to name names? I don't want to <laughs> name names. But yeah, the more quote-unquote deep they got spiritually, mm-hmm. the more they cut themselves off from relationship. You, well, you just don't understand how deep my relationship with God is. And like, no, you're just a jerk. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So it's deep spirituality should have a a groundedness to it and it should be gritty and it should be able to get into the trenches with friends. Like that's what it means to be deep and spiritual of Mm -hmm. being able to, to be real and honest with others. The other thing I was thinking about more in response to your previous point about like allyship and all of that is, you know, thinking about power dynamics and all those sorts of things. And just like, we, we we talked earlier about the need for, or like their culture tells us to get bigger and larger and take up more space and uh, sort of screw anybody who gets in your way sort of thing. And friendship is more about like interdependence and, and a willingness to say, um, yeah, I need, I need, I have needs. Yeah. Um, and good friendships that are not lopsided. Um, are able to have that confession to one another. And like even Jesus Christ uh, was able to have friendship because he had needs. Like he was able to accept food from others. He was able to accept a place to stay from others. He was not so independent uh, that he had no need for human relationship. Um, So I think that goes into spiritual friendship as well of we're fooling ourselves if we think that we can walk with God alone. Yeah.
Yeah, growing up, there was a song, um, gospel song. I mean, it was really popular. And the um, the refrain was like, long as I got King Jesus, I don't need mm. nobody else. Like, that was like, yeah. the song. Yeah, right. Very popular. It did eventually become more of a conversational piece. But it was, like, really popular. I mean, it's, it's, such a, it's such a common line. Lots of worship music, lots of preaching yeah. of Jesus is enough. That's uh, all that sort of thinking, which is, like, just... It's not biblical. Like you just yeah. don't see yeah. that. And even Jesus himself, you said this on Sunday, you know, he calls his disciples to the garden with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, considering, and this is this is also what you're getting at, is what does it mean to become more human? We've talked about that in previous sermon series. We have like part of spirituality is actually incarnational. How do we become more human versus trying to escape from our humanity and need and interdependence and all of those kinds of things. And I do think I've been fascinated to see some churches, I might have to steal this, we might have to steal this, doing series about AI that's like about like, how do we think about our humanity in the middle of, you know, again, these like only growing forms of kind of inhumanity, um, which I, I am fascinated by. Yeah, yeah. So I know we got to wrap up. Um, I wanted to, wondered if you wanted to say just a thing or two about uh, when we concocted these value statements or we they concoct them, they arose from within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, they interplay with each other. Yeah. Um, so t- to refresh everybody, the, the values are radical friendship, revolutionary justice, relentless curiosity, restorative play, rooted improvisation. And I'm just curious how you think about how radical friendship interplays with justice, curiosity, play, and improvisation. Yeah, interestingly, uh, in my community group this week, we found, so we, we actually talked a lot about friendship with God um, first. Um, and it was interesting that I felt like it kept sliding into restorative play. <laughs> like we kept mm. being like, oh yeah, and here's how we might play together. And here's how we might deepen and um, how experiencing those like states of flow that you, you know, get into when you're playing well uh, can deepen friendship. Um, so, and I think, I think radical friendship. Um, yeah. In terms of relentless curiosity, like how are we unlearning together and mm-hmm. the ways in which, we, I mean, I've said this a million times, like we have to be reading the Bible with other people that we trust and can be vulnerable with in order to get the fullness of what's, what's there. Uh, I think a lot about revolutionary justice and what are the words that I'm loving more and more is the word comrade. So what does it mean mm. to think about the people around you as um, these co-conspirators in creating this world that we're talking about that's grounded in justice and love Uh, And then rooted improvisation. Yes. The both end of radical friendship, the I kind of have to accept what you're bringing and try to build on it in a way that's respectful, that doesn't erase what you're bringing that, you know, um, that highlights it, I think, is deeply a part of radical friendship. Yeah, I I do want to say one more thing, um, and that is about radical friendship specifically and kind of give a call to action. Um, One is that and you touched on this earlier, Anthony, that you with radical friendship, you cannot get away from this idea of good work, um, that friendship is work. And we have to like also talk about that. Like, I'll never forget. I was I was riding with Bucola one day. Um, this was years ago. We were talking about our marriage and was, you know, talking about like authors we might read together. And I was like, this sounds like a lot of work. And Bukola was like, 
yeah, and it's good work. And I was like, that's right. That's right. Right. It's good work. And I, I would say in a, in a city that's very busy, where we all have lots of commitments, making space for the good work of radical friendship is essential. And I think one practice I would commend to you that can help us is actually thinking about writing down the friendships you want to invest in. Like literally writing down the people that are already present that you're like, these are my radical friends or they should be. And then are there new folks you want to add to that? Um, there's a writer, um, Lawrence Bariner. He wrote an article called Why I'm Putting Everyone in the Friend Zone, which I love that title. <laughs> and he talks about basically friendship as an ecosystem. Um and thinks about it in terms of like permaculture of like where, how do we think about where we put our resources in terms of friendship and thinking about like, these are kind of my level one friends. These are my level five friends. And being honest about that, I think can be really helpful. And I, there's another writer who actually puts her friends, like it's a, she just has the list above her desk because she's committed to radical friendship. And she's like, it makes me feel terrible that I have to put their names up somewhere. But I do because I, it, I will just naturally slip out of like giving time and energy to those people if I don't kind of make a way to like see them constantly and keep them at the forefront of my mind, uh, at least until it becomes a rhythm to do that. So I think I would commend the practice this week of just literally writing down like these are friendships I I am or need to invest in. Um, and then maybe at church, these are some that I would like to invest in. More. Yeah, I'll tag on to that of just like the importance of scheduling it. Scheduling things seems so anti-sexy. <laughs> it's just like, but we we don't want to fall into the trap of friendships of convenience. We don't live uh, in dorms. We You have to schedule it or it will not happen. And, you know, don't be overly ambitious, like to, if you can do it with one person, that's better than the zero that you did last week. Like, yeah, just put it on the calendar and think through even some of the mundane things. Um, Like we used to schedule like grocery shopping trips with some friends and um, like, yeah, you find out really bizarre things like you ate rutabagas. I didn't know anybody picked these, like all that sort of fun stuff. And then just like the time to push a cart and chat is... Yeah, finding those opportunities where you're already spending time and you can do it alongside someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, this is also good. So now today, are we also going to talk about friendship with self or friendship with God, I, friendship with self? I know. I was just thinking like we need two more of these just for the other levels of friendship of how do you talk about these things? Yeah, there's so much. All right. Well, next time, um, we'll hopefully record some more of these podcasts talking about our values and encourage you to reach out. Um to one another, to continue in in your community groups, to talk about these things really openly. Uh, Let's make this community a radical friendship, y'all.